So, Heavenly Father, we wait for you today. We pray that you might help us as we pray for the blessed hope, the return of the Lord Jesus Christ, and we wait for those glorious days of final transformation, the the glorification of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the celebration forever of being with you. We wait also, Lord, in our circumstances. Now we wait by trust and hoping in you for all that goes on here. So we wait by faith and we wait in hope. And we thank you for salvation in Jesus Christ, which has changed us forever. We thank you for being united to Christ. So Lord, today as we've sung our praise to you, we offer our thanksgiving to you. Worthy is the Lamb who who was slain for us. And we honor you, Lord Jesus, for your finished work on the cross. We pray that today you might give us a focus in our minds and we bring all of our distractions now and before you, you know what's in our minds and you know the things we're thinking about even this moment. May we, may we confess our sins and prepare ourselves to receive your word as it's planted in our souls today and, and we ask, Lord, that you might help us to see the glories and the promises that are ours because of all the wonderful things. Uh, that our Lord has done for us on the cross. We thank you for these days together. We pray for those who are listening to us today who cannot be with us. We pray encouragement for them. We miss them. We thank you that they can join us in spirit, although they are not here with us in this physical place. And for all of our people in their burdens and joys, we bring them to you and we wait on you. That That is our call. That is our responsibility. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, good morning. Good to see all of you who are here today. Uh, God bless you for being with us on this Palm Sunday. If you have your Bibles, find your place in the New Testament letter of Colossians. And we'll be looking in Colossians chapter number one. Paul the Apostle is writing to a church at a place called Colossae. And so it is, uh, it is called the, the Colossian letter. Uh, Paul did not know these believers, but he had heard about the church and what they were doing. And he was, uh, he was uh, pleased to have an opportunity to speak to them about the wonderful truths, as Steve has reminded us, of the gospel. And uh, that's where we are today. As we finish thinking about Easter Sunday is next week, we hope that you will invite your friends and invite others to come back and be with us. We look forward to a great day together. Uh, next week, starting at the Three Crosses at our sunrise service, if you can join us. And then, of course, here uh, for our two services that will be uh, in this place um, next Sunday. So for uh, some, some 10 weeks now, I have spoken to you on this subject of the finished work of Jesus Christ. I really encourage, as your pastor, I'm speaking to all of you that I'm your pastor. Look, it's important for you. If I've labored this long in this, it's important for you to know Uh, specifically what I've talked about. If you're not able to be with us all the times, we have all of these recorded uh, messages for you, and I would really challenge you to go back and uh, listen to those that uh, you were not able to be here for, because these these truths that we're looking at regarding the finished work of Jesus Christ help us to endure in the troublesome world we're in today. They help us to rejoice and to sing great praise to God for the eternal permanent salvation we have in Jesus Christ. And so I I urge you, I urge you to make sure that you have uh, given yourself some time to go back and reflect upon uh, the words that we've looked at together. 
So you've had time now to find your place in your Bible, Colossians chapter 1. <clears throat> I'd like for you to stand now in honor of the reading of God's Word, if you would please. So we will, for the sake of time, I'll invite you to keep your Bibles open to Colossians. I'll be looking at a number of things, making several observations from uh, several places in this little letter. But we read for the sake of time as Paul is talking about the incomparable Christ, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He says, reminding these believers, verse number 21, And although you were formerly alienated and hostile in mind, engaged in evil deeds, yet He, that is the Lord Jesus Christ, has now reconciled you in His fleshly body through death in order to present you before Him, that is God the Father, holy and blameless and beyond reproach. If indeed you continue in the faith firmly established and steadfast and not moved away from the hope of the gospel that you have heard, which was proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, was made a minister. Now, Heavenly Father, we have stood to read these words together, the eternal Word of God, words of life. We are accountable for what we hear from Your Word. We are accountable in our relationship to You, whether we be saved or lost today. We ask that the Holy Spirit of God would be the teacher for us all today as we look at this part of Your Word and celebrate the finished work of Jesus Christ for us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you, you may be seated. So what have we said? I want to open up for you just for a moment the spiritual, the great, glorious spiritual blessings that we have in knowing Jesus Christ. I'll just repeat to you what we've seen and talked about over the last uh, 10, 11 weeks. First of all, we've talked about this great truth. We sang about it this morning, that we are now reconciled to God. Uh, wicked sinners are now reconciled to a holy God, uh, and so praise God because of reconciliation. Hostile enemies now also, reconciliation includes, secondly, friendship with God. I hope that today you enjoy friendship with God. I hope that today, as a result of knowing Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you have an enduring, growing friendship with Jesus Christ. You are a friend of God you are a friend of God and friends make themselves friendly. You spend time with Him. You enjoy being with Him. I hope that you're enjoying your, your relationship with Jesus Christ while we walk on this earth. And we also learn that the finished work of Jesus Christ, as he, as he took the bitter vinegar to His mouth and then He said, It is finished. He then bowed His head and died. Last words of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, uh, before the resurrection were these words, it is finished. That means that death is finished. The fear of death is finished. That means that the devil's power to bring fear and, and intimidation from death is done. What did the Lord say on Palm Sunday? We read it in John's Gospel. Everybody was clamoring to come to the Lord. This is Palm Sunday. Hosanna to God in the highest. And here's the Lord as He comes in and rides up that hill to uh, the temple there on the donkey. And everyone was clamoring and everyone was shouting. The Pharisees were saying, look, the whole world has gone to Him. 
There were Greeks who came who had come to worship uh, for that season and for that festival of the Jews. And they were asking the disciples to let them see Jesus. We would, they were seeking to see Jesus. And what does the Lord then say? Now, now has the Son of Man been glorified. And He goes on to say, and now the evil one of this world is cast down. You see, in the finished work of Jesus Christ, we're reconciled to God. We have friendship with God. Death and the devil's power are defeated. We have a new kind of relationship with God in the fourth place. We, sin's debt is now paid permanently. And praise God, we are justified by faith. We are declared righteous by God when we, we repent of our sins and put our faith in God. We are forgiven of our sins and we are adopted as children of God. And then, praise God, there is even more beyond this world. There is the great and grand glorification and the conformity, complete conformity of God's people, the church, to the Lord Jesus Christ in heaven. It is finished, my friends. It is finished. Paul begins in uh, Colossians 1 by praying for them. And I call your attention to this just before we get into our text and look at it. These words are important for me to share with you before we go along. Paul was praying for this church. This is my prayer for First Baptist Church even today. As I've come, I've been praying for you all week this prayer, knowing that we would be talking about this. Paul says, verse number 9 that the church would be filled with the knowledge of God's will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. That's what we need to be filled with today. So that we would walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please Him in all respects. That's what we need to do in this world. Bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. You'll never no, I know I've got a lot of people here who are very knowledgeable of the Word of God, and I'm grateful for your knowledge in the Word of God. I'm grateful for your seeking to know God, but you'll never know everything you can ever know about God. The glory of God is beyond our imagination, and so I pray that your knowledge of God and your relationship to God, I love you in Jesus, I'm your pastor, I pray that your knowledge of God will grow, verse 11, that you will be strengthened with all power as you live in this world, according to His glorious might. And I pray that so that you might attain in this world the power to be steadfast. That's verse 11. Power to hang in there. Power to be steadfast in all the trials and troubles that we face in this world. And to be patient in all the troubles. That's what we need. We need the power of God in order to endure and be patient and do it with joy that there might be joyfulness in your life in this world. That's why Jesus Christ saved us, so that we might live in this world as witnesses for Him. But, oh, my friends, don't stop reading verse 12. This is where I'm coming today. I want to bring your attention back to something that my prayer is truly, that you will give thanks to the Father. Why do we give thanks to the Father in this particular prayer? Because you're a Christian now, those of you who are saved in this room. Listen to me. God the Father has qualified us who are believers in Jesus Christ to share a great and glorious inheritance of the saints in light in heaven. I'm looking in this room at many of you. I know you well enough to know your confession of Jesus Christ, your faith in Him. 
I'm looking in this room at those who are fellow inheritors of a glorious, a glorious heavenly inheritance that awaits you in heaven. Don't be stuck in this world. Don't spend your time so much in these wonderful places and times, even as wonderful as they are in our relationships with one another. There's agony and pain and struggle here. We go through all kinds. We endure all kinds of difficulties. But the Lord is seeking to do something in your life. You are, you are an inheritor of a heavenly glory. I want you to set your minds today and think about the final finished work of Jesus Christ. He so finishes His work in justifying sinners that He sanctifies us in this world. And are you listening? Then He glorifies you forever as His child of God in heaven. This is a glorious truth. So our focus today is this, that Jesus Christ died to present believers perfectly holy to God. And that comes from verse number 22. Yet He has now reconciled you to His fleshly body through death in order to present you, believers in Christ, or we might read it, the church, to present the church before God the Father, holy, blameless, and beyond reproach. What will heaven be like for the believer? Maybe I should have said it this way. What will heaven be like for the church of the Lord Jesus Christ? Because if you're in Christ, you are one of God's children, but all of us who belong to Jesus Christ make up the glorious church of God. What will heaven be like? Is there anything that can draw? Where do your affections go today? Where is your heart really placed today? Is your heart placed in this world or is your heart placed in heaven? Is your mind set on the things that are here below with your troubles and your pains and your difficulties? My friend, you know they're going to keep coming along. As long as you're here, you're not going to get out of the rough patch. We're in a rough patch until Jesus comes or the Lord takes us to heaven. You see, that's part of it. That's what He's doing in our lives. He's using the bad in order to bring good out of our life because all things work together for good to those who are God's people, and who are called and who love God according to His purposes. So you see, as we think about this today, I want you to set your mind for just a little while with me. For just a few minutes, I want you to linger with me and meditate and think about this great truth that the death of Jesus Christ, the glorification of saints, will be a great presentation in heaven of all the glorious church of the Lord Jesus Christ through all the ages. What a magnificent thing it will be when we are presented as God's people. Oh yes, individually, but together. The grand and glorious picture in the book of Revelation is all the saints of the God, all the saints of God saying, worthy is the Lamb who was slain. We sing it together and we rejoice because of the great salvation that we have in Jesus Christ. I want to make three observations from verse 21, 22 uh, for you today <clears throat> as Paul gives us these words. These words are very important for us and they remind us of some of the truths that we've talked about before. Again, Paul is writing to another church reminding them of these same foundational truths. I'm repeating myself today out of this text because I want to remind you, listen, until you understand the depths 
and the wickedness and the darkness from which God has delivered you through Jesus Christ when He saved you. You'll never appreciate the glory of heaven and all that awaits for you in the days ahead. So what does Paul say? Well, in verse number 21, although you, now he's going to talk about, first of all, all believers once lived in unholiness before salvation in Christ. Then he'll talk about in verse number 22, uh, two things, all believers are reconciled to God, as we've talked about many times, and united to Christ through his death. Third, we'll speak, uh, spend uh, the majority of my moments with you this uh, morning talking about Christ at His coming will present all believers in complete holiness to God. This is what's going to happen to you. <clears throat> we must take the theory out of it. Uh, this week, my uh, dear brother uh, uh, called me from Texas. and We have a mutual f friend, a man that I worked with and labored with in other places in the gospel. Uh, who's 60 years old, had his birthday in December, my dear brother Bill. And Bill uh, Bill went to be with the Lord, he, 60 years old, had lots of life ahead of him, but his time came. And now he has stepped into eternity. God's called him home to glory. He is now experiencing the things uh, that I'm going to be talking about today. You know, the, the death of our friends and our loved ones reminds us that we finally finish here. We finally finish here. Now whether you are before me or I'm before you, you must be ready to live for the Lord Jesus, but you also must be ready to die. Why Bill had his, he had everything going. He was working in a church. They were involved in building a new church plant. And he was working and he was sharing the gospel, going all over the, all over the world uh, to Africa and other places doing missions. He had many things to do. He got sick recently. And Bill never came off of his sick bed, but he went to heaven in glory. What's through that door that we see so dimly through? What is it that we see and hear and read in the Word of God that brings us forward? I'm asking you today, where's your heart today, really? Where are your affections? Do you desire just to be in this world and be satisfied with it. Is that really it, my friend? Are you satisfied that this is all there is? Then you have missed and you have never... I hope and pray that my insistence on this now for two weeks. Last week I talked about what Peter said. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18. The Lord Jesus Christ died, the just for the unjust, listen, to bring us to God. To bring us into the full enjoyment of God. The full enjoyment of God and the pleasures that are at His right hand. Oh, we, we, we faintly get to experience the pleasures of God in this world as a Christian. But the joy of eternal pleasures from God and the eternal enjoyment of God is before you. And if you don't care about God in this world, why would you ever think heaven is your home? I've said it to you before, I might as well be unpopular in this service again. If you live like hell, you're going to hell. If you know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, there's a new longing in your heart. And other things just don't matter like they used to. And the more you follow the Lord, there comes to be a warmth and an engagement in your heart. The Holy Spirit of God draws you to the Word of God and you find yourself in worship and praise. And it takes you away from the 
ridiculousness and the silliness and the foolishness going on all around us. You see, that's what He does. He brings us to God and salvation in this world and then brings us, praise God, into His glorious presence in heaven one day. This is the way you must live your life. Thinking about where you're going. Thinking about the fact that you're a pilgrim and stranger and alien in this world. This changes your perspective. This gives you hope. This gives you joy. What a sad thing to think that when you die, that's all there is. That's what a lost man or woman thinks about. If you're a saved man or woman, if you're born again, far more to come than what you've been through here, my friend. It's all preparation to get you ready for the glorious place. Heavenly-minded Christians living in a wicked world. That's what we need. That's what we need. Heavenly-minded believers. So I appeal to you today. Do you know that God is at work in your life today preparing you for a heavenly glorified place? All of these things are connected. Your justification, your sanctification or being made holy, and then that blessed glorification that you experience beginning at death and finishing with the Lord Jesus' return and the resurrection of your body, the one you have now only glorified like the Lord Jesus' glorified body after He came back from the dead. There are a lot of things for us to think about. That's why you go through the groaning and pain in your life, because the Lord Jesus is doing a sanctifying work of conforming you to the... He's making you like Jesus Christ. He's producing in you a godliness and a holiness that you would not have otherwise, and it comes from the pain. It comes from the struggle. It comes from the irritations of life. It comes from the pain of life. That's why we give thanks to Him in all things, for this is the will of God for us in Christ Jesus. So we see these three observations from Paul. First of all, we go back to this one. I'm going to talk to you about your former life, my Christian friend. You had a former life. You had the same name, but you sure lived a lot different than you live now, don't you? A former life. You remember that former life? It's hard to go back, isn't it? It's hard to keep thinking about that. But unless we think back and understand the depths of our sinfulness and our wickedness and our separation from God, we'll never appreciate the complete, finished work of Jesus Christ for us. So I take you back there. I ask you to go back to your former life. Some of you are not saved in this room. Some of you listening to me are not. You're not born again. You're religious. You think that your religion is going to get you to heaven. It won't. You think your morals are going to get you to heaven. You think that your family history is going to get you to heaven. None of it's going to work that way. You must believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. You must repent of your sins. And you must choose to follow Jesus Christ with all of your life on these days on the earth. The reality is that when I was not saved, I lived a certain way. Paul reminds these people as I remind you. Verse 21. Although... These wonderful things in verse 20, that through Him we, He's reconciled all things to Himself. The Lord Jesus has reconciled and brought peace through the blood of His cross, things in heaven and things on earth. Praise God. The great reconciliation has now come. Verse 20, and although you were formally alienated, hostile in mind, and engaged in evil deeds. That's where, that's where we all lived. 
Look at the progression here. You were alienated from God. The vast majority of people on the planet and those in your family who do not know Jesus Christ, your friends and the people you work with and those you're acquainted with who do not confess Jesus Christ are living in open alienation, estrangement, from God today. They have no relationship with God. They might act religious, but they have. there's no real relationship with God. The finished work of Jesus Christ brings a real relationship with God where there is faith and emotion and desire and love for God, mutual love for one another. But no, no, the lost person doesn't. Your former life was a life of alienation and estrangement from God. Your former life was a life of hostility. Please notice the way Paul describes it. He says that they were hostile in mind. You see, you think you had a, you think as a lost man, you got a better way to God. You make up your own way to God. You have your own little philosophies and happy little thoughts about how you're going to be with God. Well, everybody's going to go to heaven because everybody can be just nice. And if we're a little nice, we have all of our philosophies. We have all of these foolish ways. We're hostile in our mind. We don't like to hear that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. We don't like to hear that we must confess our sin. We don't like to hear the Ten Commandments because frankly... Finally, we like engaging in our wickedness. We like to commit adultery. We like to live in covetousness. We like to live in the lusts and passions and desires that please and feed our flesh. This is the way, this is the way every believer formerly lived. I'm speaking of your former life if you're saved this morning. This is the way we all lived in alienation, hostility, and engaging before God in godless, wicked behavior that even to this day, as followers of Jesus, though we're forgiven of it and it's under the blood, it still causes us shame. And many of us carry the marks and stains from those circumstances of those sins for the rest of our life. But, notice what he says, yet, verse 22, he has now, reconciled you. That's what happened as a result of your faith in Jesus Christ. The cross finished the work of the Lord Jesus. This is that glorious unseen work that nobody saw that day at the, at the place of the skull. But what was going on is this right here. Yet he has now reconciled you in his fleshly body through death for a reason. You are now reconciled to God and united to Him. Just take your eye and look through some things here. What has God done for us as a result of Jesus Christ's death? Well, God the Father, look at verse 13. God the Father has rescued us from the domain of darkness. He has transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son. Verse 14, we, we now have redemption. In other words, our sins are paid for and there's freedom from our sin. The payment has been made and we're forgiven of our sins. Think about it today. This is the grand and glorious reality of being reconciled to God, my friend. God transferred you out of a domain of darkness. Oh, if your lights went off last night and you forgot your flashlight. If your lights went off last night and you didn't have a generator and you sat there in the dark. Remember the darkness of sin. This is what God the Father has done through Jesus Christ. And when you believed in Him by faith, He has rescued you from the domain of darkness and He's transferred you to the, king of, uh, to the kingdom of His beloved Son. 
And then we go on. I'm not finished here. Look at this reconciliation and uniting to God. Chapter 3. He says, if you've been raised with Him as a result of being saved, you've come back to life with a new life. Keep seeking the things above where Christ is seated. Seated at the right hand of God. Verse number 2. Set your mind on things above. Not on things on the earth. Verse 3, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. You are now permanently united to Jesus Christ. And He is united to you if you're saved. So all believers, the entire church of the living God, the blood-bought church of the Lord Jesus Christ, is reconciled to God and united to Him. And where He is, you are, though you are here. And where He is, He is here also. This is the great mystery of God's presence with us through Jesus Christ. You have a lot to think about. About your relationship to God and what the Lord Jesus has done for you. But then we come. Let me open the door again. Then we come to these magnificent words of Paul the Apostle. As he says in verse 22, Yet He has now reconciled you in His fleshly body through death in order. To make a presentation to God. There will be a great and glorious presentation of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ to the glory of God when Jesus comes again. Oh, there is much to come, my friends. There is much to come. He says that we will be presented before Him, before the glory of God in holiness, blamelessness, and beyond reproach. Let me think about those three things with you for just a moment. Why does that matter so much? Because when I lived in sin, all I was was unholy, filled with blame and stain. That's really this, behind this word blame is the word stain. I was stained with my sin. I wasn't pure. I wasn't holy. And I was condemned. I was condemned. I was not beyond reproach. And all of you who are in Jesus Christ, that was the condition you were in. I want to take you for just a moment as we think about this great truth of how we are presented as the church in glory as finished uh, to the book of Ephesians. If you'll just flip back there, keep your place in Colossians. I don't usually like to do this, but this is very important for you to see this morning. Because first of all, Jesus Christ's death sanctifies and cleanses the church from all sinfulness. This is what's going to happen. What happens at this great presentation? Well, it's the presentation of the church of the Lord Jesus in all of the church's glory. Like a bride being presented on the day of the wedding. Look at these words just for a moment. I'll pick up here as Paul is talking about the roles in a marriage. And these roles are still true today. Uh, these, these are important words. And if we were uh, at another point in, in talking about this, I'd spend more time about talking about the importance of the will of God that marriage, biblical marriage, is between a man and a woman for life. But he, he just mentions some of the things that are important. The wife as the bride uh, and the man uh, as the as the husband. Uh, these roles remind us also of the relationship of the Lord Jesus Christ to the church. Wives, be in subject, uh, subjection to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church. Notice the comparison. He himself being the Savior of the body. That's what we've been talking about for weeks. 
the Lord Jesus Christ is the Savior of the body of Christ, all believers. But as the church, verse 24, is subject to Christ, notice the church is subject to Christ. So also, so also wives are to be to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives. Notice please, now we find this very precious truth. Just as Christ loved the church and gave Himself up for her. There is this sacrifice, this great love of the Lord for us as His people, so that, verse 26, there's a reason, so that He might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the Word, that He might present. There's a presentation coming. There's a glorious heavenly presentation coming, that He might present to Himself the church in all her glory. In all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be holy and blameless. The great and glorious presentation coming for the saints of God in heaven. Though it begins in many ways when we depart this world and our spirit goes to be in heaven because we're united with Christ. Oh, the great and glorious day when the Lord Jesus Christ comes again. He will present the church in all her glory, in all her glory at His return. That's what Paul means in Colossians 3, 4 when he says these very important words. He says, when Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with Him in glory. There comes a great day and a grand glorious presentation of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Ephesians 1.4 He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world. Why? That we would be holy and blameless before Him in love. There is this mutual loving relationship we have now with the Lord Jesus Christ in this world. And oh, all of us as God's people, all of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ from every age, uh, rich and poor, those from all parts of the planet in every language, every background, they all come together and we all say Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. And we express our adoration and love to Him forever and ever. And we are... We are His glorious, holy bride forever and ever in relationship to Him. You see, my friends, we don't think about this much. What would really be the true way of demonstrating the absolute amazing glory of the finished work of Christ in any better way than the final finished work of the glorification of God's people as holy, blameless, and beyond reproach. It shows the value, the exceedingly great value of the Lord Jesus Christ, death on the cross. You see, some quickly pass by and say, well, yes, I know Jesus died for my sins. Oh, stop there. Yeah, you need to stay there for a while. Yes, Jesus Christ died for your sins. Will you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved so that that work becomes effective in your life? So that He changes you. You see, Christ presents the church now perfectly holy. He's chosen us so that we would be blameless and holy before Him. He has presented us in perfect... He has, <laughs> Let me just take a moment for blamelessness. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 1.7, As you wait eagerly for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
I don't want to get sidetracked, but I don't want to ask you. You're my dear Christian friend. You see, if I have a love relationship with someone and I'm in some way separated from them, I miss them and I want to be with them. If you truly know the Lord Jesus Christ, there is in a real way, as Peter said, though we've not seen him with our eyes, yet we, we love him. And though we have not seen Him with our eyes, we believe in Him with joy, full of rejoicing, but we want to go be with Him. This was Paul's testimony to the Philippians. I have a desire to go to be with the Lord, but if I need to stay here to do my ministry and finish it, I'll do it. But my desire is there. But I'll be obedient to here. Do you really, truly... I'm asking you, my Christian friend, look in your heart today. What is it that's charming you today? What is it that's drawing out your affections? Do you have truly in your life an eager waiting for the coming of Jesus Christ? Or are you just happy, happy and fat and sassy where you are? Do you want something beyond this world? You see, Paul says, 1 Corinthians 1, 7, As you, Christians, the church, wait eagerly for the revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ, who will confirm you to the end blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. You will be blameless, no more stain. You will be perfectly, no blame any longer. And finally, you will be without reproach, which means you are uncondemnable uncondemnable. Let me just read the string of blessings mentioned in Romans 8. Several of them Paul puts in form of a question. I'm just about finished. You know the verse, Romans 8, 1, there's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Who will bring charges against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. The answer is no one will bring a charge against those who are saved. Uh, Romans 8, 34, who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is He who died, but rather was raised at the right hand of God, who also intercedes for us. There's no one who will condemn you because you're in Jesus Christ. And then He says, who will separate us from the love of God. Nothing that occurs in this world has any power to separate us because we are now those who are in Christ and we will one day be presented, as Paul the Apostle says here so very importantly, we'll be presented in holy blamelessness and beyond reproach before the God, before God. Our Savior will see. I'm going to read this to you because I want you to hear my words. Our Savior will see the travail of his soul, and he will be satisfied. That is with the glorification of his people. And every blood-bought sinner will be presented by him before the presence of the glory of God, washed. In the blood of Christ, robed in His righteousness, in the perfection of absolute holiness. This, this is what it means to be qualified to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. There's much coming for you in the future beyond this world. So what do we do as we finish this morning? How do we apply this? Well, I've said it in many ways, but I'd say it perhaps this way. We're here on this earth to glorify God. Glorify God in your body. Believers are to glorify God on the earth, and God glorifies believers in heaven. Forever and a day, because we are united to Christ, we glorify God, and then we are glorified. 
because we are in Christ. Christ's glory is revealed through a holy church in heaven for all eternity. And it is the believer's glory to be made holy, blameless, and uncondemnable before God. What a day of glory to the Lord Jesus Christ. As every knee bows, every tongue confesses, as song is sung, worthy is the Lamb. Holy, 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 as praise is gone. And we, in, we come to endure uh, we come looking back at the endurance we made in this world so that we might enjoy the glories of heaven forever. You see, the best and the greatest things are reserved for heaven for believers. God saved the best for last. That's why the Lord said in John 17 in His prayer for believers like you and I, Father, the glory which you gave to me, I have given to them. You will one day be a glorified saint among with all the ages and the multitudes of those who have bowed the knee and confessed Jesus Christ as Lord through all the ages. You see, our Christianity so many times is about us. Look what all Jesus is doing for me. No, it's about, it's about us, plural. It's about all us. It's about us together. Because each one of us have a story to tell. When they're all put together, it magnifies and expands the massive glory of the finished work of Jesus Christ in ways that we will, we will ponder and fathom forever. So what must you do, my friend? Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Resist the Lord Jesus Christ, and do not believe in Him, you will face not eternal joy and pleasure, you will face eternal hell and suffering and struggles and pain. Set your mind on heaven, my Christian friend. Where are you, where are you at today? What are you thinking about? What are you preoccupying your mind with? Christ is seated and He is coming again. He is seated and He is coming again. As I've labored to say to you week after week when we were looking at Hebrews, our blessed Lord Jesus is our great high priest king in heaven. You go to the throne of grace for what you need here and you set your mind, as our dear brother Paul says, on things above. That's where you, that's the one we love. That's where he is. Yes, the Holy Spirit of God's present in us, but oh, for a restored full relationship with God forever. That's what matters most. Live knowing as a believer in your life that you are already hidden in Christ. Some of us need to go home today and consider the hidden life that we all now enjoy in Jesus Christ. Colossians 1.22, Yet He has now reconciled you in His fleshly body through death in order to present you before Him holy, blameless, and beyond reproach when He shall come. I got a hymn for you today. In fact, I got such a good hymn for you today. We're going to sing it in just a moment. When he shall come with trumpet sound. Oh, may I then in him be found. Uh, are you ready for this? Dressed in his righteousness alone. Faultless to stand before the throne. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is what, church? It's just sinking away. All other ground 
is sinking sand. 